Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, I'm Keith Feltner-Smith, and today we are bringing you the rest of the conversation between myself and Chris Burkhart. Now, just a heads up, we didn't talk about all the Dame trade rumors and all the drama that has come up recently. We did this, this recording was right before that happened, but we do have a lot of great conversation about fans blaming Dame for the coaching decisions, uh, some thoughts on the assistant coaches, Scott Brooks and Roy Rogers, Zach Collins' future with the Blazers, as well as some other roster predictions. There are plenty of pods out there with the latest drama on the Dame trade rumors, but you know, I'm not saying that Chris and I won't get to that next week, but for now, if you are a Blazers fan looking for Blazers topics that go deeper into the roster and everything else going on with the team, the Trailcasters have you covered. So sit back, relax, take a break from all the anxiety that the NBA is putting Rip City through right now, and let's talk about some of the other things going on with the team. It's part two of Chris and I's epic conversation last week. Here we go. The other aspect of this is our star player, Damian Lillard. How much of this, in your opinion, Chris, falls on Dame? Because fans have been really rough to him uh all the way from the jason kidd stuff obviously kind of blaming him for that and he's claimed he didn't know about it fair enough you know the players they, they don't look into the things these things the same way most of us didn't know about the billup stuff in the situation right. uh but it does seem like rip city fans have really kind of put this on dame after he said that he wanted to be part of the process of choosing a new coach uh really put this on him as far as being you know the blazers lebron someone who's kind of pulling strings in the background how much of this do you think uh, where it is actually to blame on Lillard and how much of it is just fans blowing off steam. I think it's it's weird to to try to blame Dame uh, for any of that. And granted, he's much more high profile than any of us, but I mean, how many of us have ever been in a situation where our company was looking to hire someone new, boss did a couple interviews, and then boss goes, oh, these are my final two people. Which one did you like? And oh, I'm, yeah, going, like I'm, yeah, totally. I'm going off minimal information. I don't know their history. Um, and with Billups, like you can try, like you could try to claim the Dame knew, but we didn't know a lot. Right. Like I, I don't remember what happened in 1997 when when I was 11 years old, uh, and Dame is, <laughs> Dame is younger than I am. Um, and I, to be completely frank, I loved Chauncey Billups when he was a member of the Pistons. I loved that Pistons team. Um, I, I thought he was a good coach. I still think he can be a good coach. But he's got skeletons in his closet that have to be addressed, and we all know that now. So I think it's fair to say that Dame didn't know it too. Um, so to put all the blame on him is, I is is tough to me because is, is a GM going to go look to the to the players for their input? Absolutely. But are the players going to make the hire? No, the players don't make the hire. They don't. It's Neil. Neil's running the show. We know Neil's running the show. It's the GMs, the <laughs> owners. Those are the guys that do it. Uh, they don't make the hires for coaches or GMs. They give some input, of course, uh, but he's not the one that made the call at the end of the day that that was the guy. And so I think putting all the blame on him is crazy because you're also crazy if you think that Dame was the only player they asked. Do you think that Neil didn't walk ah. up to that didn't walk up to CJ and say, "Hey, CJ, these are the guys we're looking at. Who do you think?" Hey, Nurk, these are the guys we're, we're looking at. Who do you think? You know, hey, Rocco, these are the guys we're looking at. Who do you think? 
and, it can't, and sure, be, it can't a, be can't be just Dame. Yeah, and 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 fair enough. Like Dame's opinion is going to matter more, but I'm with you. It's not like Dame has not made some sort of move into the front office. He's not like sitting at the table uh, while all the action goes down or while all the decisions are made. He's just getting asked because he's part of the team and he's an, an important part of the team. What about? the weight of uh, the fan accusations. Do you think that fans are driving Dame out of Portland by voicing all these complaints or kind of, no. or saying that he made a mistake here? No, I, because I think if you're going to be driven out of town or any job you're doing because of, of social media trolls, <laughs> uh, then your skin is just a little too thin. I right. mean, granted, again, he's more high profile. He deals with more that any of us will ever have to deal with from a troll level on social media. But it, I mean, LeBron James plays in LA and let's not act like that. It's not a franchise, a fan base that's going to troll that guy anytime he's not playing well. Um, right. Every that's single, every, point. every single fan base does it. Um, but LA is still a drawing point for free agents, right? Even though they know that the, the trolls are going to come out in droves, especially when the market size, the market size is 25 times the size, exaggerating or whatever. <laughs> but that means there's right. 25 times as many trolls too, right? So no, I don't think you're going to be driven away uh, by trolls or what uh, external people think or what fans think or what have you, because I think the best mentality to be in when you're in those situations is you have a set group of people that those are the people that you're looking from for acceptance from. And that is, you know, like your, your family, your close friends and, and your, your peers at work who you, who you have to work with who teams, value, yeah. val value what you do. Uh, so I don't think fans are going to drive him out. It's a, there's a block button. There's a mute button. And, <laughs> and like uh, it's people dog players all the time when they, when they block people, but man, like if you're being negative to me, I'm going to find a way to get you off my timeline and out of my mentions too. So, uh, bring the, get that negativity out. So no, I don't think, I, I don't think social media and the fan base is going to drive him out of Portland or any player out of their respective market. I completely agree. And yeah, if, if anything is going to drive Dame away from Portland or if anything is turning him off, uh, from staying here for the rest of his career, it's going to be the performance of the team. Now, that yep. is something that we can actually, uh, obviously, we we're, it's it's all predictions at this point. It's all seeing what comes next. But let's talk about the assistant coaches that have come in underneath uh, the new head coach, Phillips. The two names that have been announced so far, Scott Brooks and Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers was another assistant coach in uh, L.A. with Phillips on the Clippers. The word that I've heard around so far is that he's somewhat of a defensive coach but even more than that he's kind of a big man coach so again you know something that Portland has kind of been lacking for a little while up here is uh and, and something that could obviously be used with what we've seen from Nurk and Cantor both when, when we have them healthy they have very different skill sets but getting them to play consistent getting them to kind of play top of the game could really help to elevate what Blazers are doing up here yeah and and if he specializes in big men that's a big plus because um, you look at, at Myers Leonard and his progression with the Blazers, it fell off a cliff the minute the yes. Blazers let go of Coach Hughes. And exactly. he was their big guy coach, and they didn't have that big guy coach. They just kept their staff as is. As much as I, 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 I liked what uh, Tibbetts and Moran and Osborne brought to the table, they weren't big men coach like, like Coach Kim right. was. And the minute they lost it, their young big man, just kind of fell off a cliff production wise and, and growth wise. Yeah. 
and Nurk has been great here, but Nurk has been Nurk the entire time, right? We saw Nurk, Nurk fever hit in like game two for a reason because the guy went <laughs> off, right? And so his skill set's been there, but he hasn't refined it because over yeah. the years, Nurk still does the exact same bad things that he's done for years, they haven't been knocked out. Like the, the the biggest difference between he and Cantor, outside of Cantor being obviously the better rebounder, is Cantor is better at the rim, and that is he doesn't have a better move set than Nurk. Nurk's spin move and the way he can move his body is far better than Cantor. What Cantor has is the hands and the ability to slow the game down and be smart with what he's doing at the rim. Nurk oftentimes kind of just goes a little too fast and doesn't slow down and let the game come to him, so to speak. And it's that little mistake that you can get out. The reason it Cantor doesn't do it is again, experience and going to different coaching staffs, working with different coaches. If you got a guy who's specifically aimed at coaching bigs, then I think you can see Nurk take his game to a level uh, that we're not used to and at least start to knock out some of the little quirks of his game that have become a, a, a headache. And that's that's a bad term because I don't think Nurk's game is a headache. I absolutely uh, love oh, Yusuf yeah. Nurkic for what he brings. But a big, big man coach is a big deal because, like I said, once – uh, Coach Kim got fired for inadvertently breaking the LaMarcus Aldridge news. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the Blazers' bigs hadn't been the same, in my opinion. So Boy, I, I think that's big. That is crazy to think about how long ago that was. He broke the LaMarcus Aldridge leaving Portland news, and that was what that was what got Kim Hughes out of here, and he was our last big man coach. Nurk has been here for five seasons now. Uh, I'm totally with you. I think you make a great point that what do we ask from other players, other guards all the time that you seemingly don't really hear as much about with big men? You always hear, what is this guy adding in the offseason? What kind of extra tweak are they adding to their game to improve, to get better? I don't think there's really been a lot that you could point to over the last five seasons that Nurk has markedly improved on. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that has been injuries. Part of that is that he hasn't been able to stay on the floor long enough or consistently enough to really kind of maybe get a good idea. But yeah, part of that as well has got to be coaching. What goes on behind the scenes, especially during the season when they're going to have limited practices, you're going to have way more uh, production. Theoretically, you would have way more kind of room for improvement when you have someone that can directly work on his type of skill set. And also, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, in my opinion, we keep both Nurk and Cantor around for next season. I think between the two of them, you just have so much good if we can just find someone who's willing to be a little more flexible than Stotts was and use them in more appropriate situations instead of just kind of using them in a, a uh, formulaic yep. or cookie-cutter way. Yeah, and you said we'll talk about the roster before this is over, and we'll dive in it there, but I, I definitely think they, you're not going to have both of them on the roster next year. Um, okay. But okay. we can talk. We, we can talk about that in the next. But back to the coaches, though. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with Rogers. Don't know enough about him as an assistant coach. Um, but again, if this, if he specializes in big, it's a good thing. As for Brooks, I here we go. Do not understand. Did not understand. Will not understand the hate for hiring Scott Brooks. I think that is a home run hire of an assistant coach. You just got an assistant coach who has a better track record than your head coach. Yep. <laughs> who found great success in Oklahoma City, who found success in Washington, even though the two years prior to this one, their record was awful. You go back and look at that roster. They also had one of the worst rosters in the entire <laughs> NBA. And the best player on the roster was injured the entire time in John Wall. I mean, they were playing guys that you'd have to go back and look at the roster and go, that who? 
who Isaac right. Bonga was a starter for like half the season. <laughs> the, and and so that he didn't have a good roster at all. This year, he put it together, made it into the playoffs, and he's done something that no other coach has really done, and that's been able to coach Russell Westbrook. Like, granted, he's basically ah. been Russ's only coach, but still, like, he, he knows how to coach him. Now, you go to Washington, and you see the people get irritated with some of the things he does from a rotation standpoint or some of his philosophies, and those are all fair things to say, but at the same time, he's not in that position to be the guy making the rotations anymore. And he's not the one in charge of all the philosophies. He's just there to be the assistant and help Chauncey out. And so you got a guy here who's just like I said, he's a phenomenal coach by all regards, has a great track record, no red flags, which now that we are in this situation, we have to raise our hands and go, thank you. That's great. <laughs> you, you, you know, a uh, coach that doesn't have controversy. Yeah. <laughs> what a rarity, but he's a guy that he's a guy that now you have to worry about. He's, He's the guy who goes into next season, Blazers find success. You're going to have to find a new assistant because there's a high chance a guy like Scott Brooks is landing on another team as a head coach. Like he is, a, he is, he is <laughs> oh, a, he is a good head coach. He is a guy that you probably could have hired as your head coach and probably wouldn't have been that upset about it. Now but there to, is a question again. If we want to get back to the, just, we won't stick on this, but just getting back to the whole like. Why does Portland put themselves in front of the firing range by choosing someone who's problematic and someone the fan base is openly kind of pushed back against when you have guys available like Scott Brooks, who's a qualified, legitimate, good head coach? Uh, someone mentioned the other day, too, Mike Brown is coaching, I think, Nigeria or, or something. Mm -hmm. uh, again, like you have a qualified, experienced head coach. So I guess, Chris, yeah, the, just the quick question we can move on. If Scott Brooks is going to be such a good assistant coach, why was he not even in the running for the Blazers head coaching spot? I know the answer, but I just want to hear what you say. Because sometimes it's just time to change, man. I equate it to the same thing that you see in, in college football. All right, You see guys who just are not good as head coaches, but you put them back into an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator role, and they end up being one of the best coordinators in the game. Sometimes the head coaching thing just isn't what you're doing well at the time, and you just need a change of pace, a change of your daily routine, maybe a little less responsibility, or have all your responsibilities funneled into less you know branches of the river so to speak and just have that focus that's why it's a home run hire if it's a head coaching hire with scott brooks honestly you look at it and you're like okay he had success with the thunder and the wizards last season wasn't that great could have been better had the then you really start to look at it and you're like okay there could have been better hires i think there tony again you go down you start going down the list the emays the 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 don staley's like we already talked about then you really start to battle, is it the right hire? But as an assistant, a guy who's not right, even in charge okay. to run the ship, that's a home run. That is I a home you. run. Yeah. Look, at, look, at, look at Terry Stotts, right? He left Portland. He was in rumored to get jobs, hasn't got any head coaching jobs yet, and looks like he won't get one. If he were hired in Dallas, people would have talked the same, like I just said. Was he the right guy? We knew Jason Kidd was in the running. We really like him because of his connections to, to Dallas, blah, blah, blah. Same in Indy. Do, is he the guy, you know, we could we could have had Rick Carlisle, but we went Terry Stotts, blah, blah, blah. Now, if Indiana hires Terry as Terry, as Coach Carlisle's lead assistant, Indiana goes, holy loaded. smokes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we just got an uh, assistant coach who's one of the best offensive minds in basketball, who, who led the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals in 2019, who had season after season after season of success with Portland, and that's our assistant. That is a great hire. Maybe he proved that head coaching he needed a break from, but as an assistant, 
it's a phenomenal hire. It's no different than Brooklyn going in and getting Mike D'Antoni to help out Steve Nash in year one. You, you went with a rookie coach, you need a little help, and you got an absolute home run of an assistant coach in Mike D'Antoni. And so that's why I think the Scott Brooks hire is phenomenal. I still personally would have liked um, Lionel Hollins to get a chance to, to come back as a, sure, a, a, yeah. as a coach. Um, I thought he could I thought he should have been a candidate to be the head coach myself. A, a great track record uh, as a coach, the all-time winningest coach w- with the Grizzlies. Guy's good, and he's got great connections to Portland, uh, and I like that. And that's the thing about Portland, man. Portland is such a unique market, and I know that everyone wants you know winning this and winning that. Like, oh, connections to the '77 team doesn't automatically fix everything, but sometimes it does because Portland is so like in look at LA, okay, for the Lakers, the Lakers that. That's the type of fan base in a big market. They don't care about the the red flags or the skeletons. They want to win. Win, win, <laughs> yeah. win. And granted, don't get me wrong. It's not like they're going and hiring red flags left and right. I'm just saying that's a market that can get away with it with very little talk. Portland? Portland is a market that especially after the late 90s of what has now been dubbed the Jailblazer era made this giant shift mentality-wise where – character mattered more than anything else and when winning comes with that character it's good that is why in my opinion brandon roy is so well respected as a blazer and people talk the conversation should he get his should he get his jersey retired and where does he rank amongst the greats blah 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 that was because after a series of bad publicity for the team players being in trouble with the law and again that jailblazers moniker you had a guy come in who was just an upstanding citizen, did all the right things, and was a good basketball player to boot. And fans gravitated towards it. And if you look at the type of players that fans always gravitate to in Portland, it is that that lunch pail guy, right? Lunch pail and hard hard worker. The the, the Ed Davises of the world, right? And so that's why a guy like Lionel Hollins, to me, would have been a phenomenal hire, either as a head coach or an assistant. You bring a guy in who who has those connections to the 77 team has those connections to Portland has a track record. And I haven't, we haven't unearthed any yet <laughs> like they did with Phillips, but no red <laughs> flags that, that I've heard or that I know. Of. Yeah. <laughs> and so little things, little things like that matter. And I think those have to be taken into consideration in a market like Portland, because it's, it's such a unique market, that small market feel, especially a small market, in such a, a a liberal corner of the world, like th- those things matter. They 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 really do. And I think there's like we talked about, there was candidates who didn't have those red flags or had those connections who could still breed success at the same time. That's why I like Hollins. But that's a tangent. Back to your original See, question, Scott Brooks is great. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, there's still room. We we still have open uh, associate head coach spots here you we could bring in uh alina hollands although i would bet that if portland did decide to actually bring him on as another assistant coach uh that then we would find out that he was actually like a mass murderer when he was in memphis like all the skeleton would come out of the closet just as soon as we make the move for him uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I hey man i'm, I'm with you though if they come out of the closet they come out of the closet that's that's the time you live in if you're worried if you're worried about skeletons in your closet coming out, don't put any in, man. Jesus. There you go. Like but like with I, the whole with the whole Billups thing. Like the argument that just really kind of rubs me the wrong way is when people go like, 
We've all made mistakes. We all have skeletons in our closet. Yeah. yeah I've no, made, we haven't all done that, though. I've played. I've made plenty of mistakes. I have skeletons in my closet. Sure. I'll, I'll admit to it. I think I was like 10 years old. I shoplifted a candy bar from Albertsons. <laughs> I didn't know better. Like, I really wanted the candy bar. Like, whatever. And like, that's, that's the worst thing Chris has ever done. My skeleton, my skeleton <laughs> is not... No, not, what it, not what Chance uses. Not, not the things yeah. we've discussed earlier. Like, yes. yes, does everyone have skeletons? Sure, but there's levels to it. There's, there are, level, there levels. there's levels to it. And, and I do get your point, too, as far as uh, Brooks being a home run of an assistant coach and maybe more of a uh, question if he was the head coach. It's it's like what we've had as far as the, uh, a player comparison. Uh, Ennis Cantor is a star, absolute home run for a center off your bench. When he's your starting center, he's done well for us, but maybe there's some there's some some holes. There's some little leaks here where you might be like looking for, oh, he's not the ideal starting center. But if you, if he's coming off your bench behind another starting center, that is an absolute monster front court lineup. Uh, let's talk about another one of the Blazers bigs though. Zach Collins. Will Zach Collins ever play another minute in a Blazers jersey, Chris? Yikes, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say. He just keeps getting injured, man. What's the latest injury? What, what he is this a sprained foot? Is that what I saw? No. Yeah, I think he broke his foot again. Broke um, foot, yeah. Uh, he broke his foot again, and then uh, I believe Jason Quick was reporting today that they're not going to uh, send him a qualifying offer. I think it was. Something oh, like I that. didn't see that. They're not uh, sending Collins the qualifying offer. That's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So so Jason Quick reports that they're not going to extend a qualifying offer to Zach Collins, making him an unrestricted free agent. So now you look at that, and that means that they can't retain him at all costs. There's wow. now there's now there's a cap on what they can actually pay him. If he, if he was a restricted free agent, then again, you know, you can go into that and and get what you will go over because you you own his rights. But yeah, not anymore. So to me, I think the writing's on the wall that he's he's probably going to get a deal. I think there's teams interested in him because he's still a talented player, uh, but it is—it's not going to be with Portland. I think—I think not going to be here. I think that ship has sailed. And to be honest, I think that's better for Zach, depending on the situation, because they tried to fit him into that power forward role, and he's not a power forward. He wants to play center, and that's where he feels more comfortable at. So if you can get him healthy and get him playing more minutes at the five, I think that's going to be better for his career. Obviously, health is going to be the biggest part of that. Uh, but I think that's the, that's the smart move for him and his career path. Probably the smart move for, for the Blazers. But yeah, I, I think we've seen the last of Zach Collins. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. And I guess with that latest update on the news that the Blazers have not extended his qualifying offer, that certainly changes things uh, in a distinct direction. Uh, so let's just look more generally at the roster here before I let you go. And thank you so much for all your time, especially considering all the time before we, re before we recorded today, all the delays that I put you through, all the scheduling, getting uh, part of your workday, getting this on the, on the books for it. And then be like, hey, uh, how about tomorrow? You know, my uh, your, your kid has a nosebleed, so I probably think we should record later. Uh, <laughs> anyway, general roster. There are a lot of holes, a lot of unsure futures as far as the Blazers roster right now um obviously for guards we've got Dame CJ uh Norman Powell and Anthony Simons uh we've got Rocco on the wing do we what are your thoughts on Mello what are your thoughts with the the big man lineup now that we just have Nurk and Cantor and, and Nozak I guess there's still Harry Giles maybe we're hoping that Harry Giles really has his breakout year 
in the 2021 season. Uh, what what are what are your thoughts on the on the roster right now and its uh, current construction? Yeah, it needs help. It obviously yeah. obviously <laughs> needs help. Um, like I said, Zach definitely think uh, he's done, and Cantor I, I think he's probably going to move on as well, um, just because he can. He can excel in a lot of lineups, but with the way Portland plays and what Portland needs, I think that he's proven that he, he kind of becomes unplayable uh, in the playoffs for, for Portland. If you had a team that was much better defensively around him, then I think you can you can get Cantor back, right? Uh, but if you if you your goal is to bring back Mello as well and continue to roll out Cantor and Mello as as your tandem bigs off the bench, which we saw didn't work <laughs> last year, uh, then you're in trouble. Um, so yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think he's back. Um, I don't think Mello's back either. Uh, I think oh, I think I th- hey no two two things on that. <laughs> a, I just think it's time for him to to find another team. He's still got plenty left in the tank, but I think it's time for for him to find another team. I think a little a re- reuniting with. Uh, with Denver would be great um, because not only would it reunite him with Denver, I think a guy like, like Mello who can score off the bench, but doesn't have to be your primary scorer would be real good for that team. Um, so I think that'd be a good, uh, a good fit. Uh, but at the same token, I wouldn't be upset if Mello came back. Cause I don't mind it. I love the Mello experience. And I think getting to watch <laughs> a, a, a hall of famer, no matter how good or bad he is compared to how he used to be, I think is great. I just, as a basketball fan, I just, I enjoy it. I'm going to criticize him cause it's my job. Uh, plus it's fun, <laughs> but at the same time, it's cool to watch a hall of famer, uh, and do what he does. And I also think it's weird. Cause like Dame, Dame can go six for 20 and everyone's like, oh, it's just an off night. He'll get it next night. Mello goes five for 12 and it's like, oh my God, he's shooting too much. Like <laughs> he's a shooter. Shooters, shooters are going to shoot. Uh, so I wouldn't mind bringing him back. Now, uh, I did write an uh, article a while back. I'm going to refer to, cause I do think there's names out there that I think uh, aren't like game changers, but I think would be good for the depth of this team. Now, you could move some pieces around. I think the best move for Portland uh, to really try to get this roster fixed is to find a way to trade C.J. McCollum for uh, an equivalent small forward who's probably a little bit better on the defensive end, um, and maybe you sacrifice offense. So if you, I don't know who's out there, but if you get a guy I've that's never a, heard. I've never heard this kind of idea before. How, uh, the, what, what a crazy trade right. C.J. McCollum for a <laughs> right. wing? What yes. kind of blasphemy, that's, crazy talker? That's your best. On <laughs> That's your best move. Only if you can re-sign uh, Norman Powell in the process. Yeah. So you yeah. can re- so you can start Dame Powell, whoever your upgraded. Um, small forward is or your power forward because i don't think that's out of the cards either because i think a, a, a great lineup would be to trade uh, and granted now everyone says it's it's uh dame but if you could convince uh philly to do a deal around ben simmons and cj for which cj I, yeah. yes which i don't think will happen that was one that was floated yeah. out there earlier but it just it just it's going to take a lot more from portland's end just because uh, the credentials don't match uh, CJ no. is a phenomenal scorer, but like I said earlier on the pod, Ben Simmons is a, an all-star, all-league defender. Like this guy, he's got the credentials to to require stuff. But if you could roll out a lineup, Keith, that was again Dame, Norm, move Rocco to small forward. Even though he has played more power forward in the recent years, he does have plenty of time at small forward. Ben Simmons at the four, Nurk at the five. That is a phenomenally improved defensive lineup. Because now you're playing Norm, 
not at a position where he's giving up a lot of sides to bigger th bigger threes. You're moving Rocco to the three where he can still play defensively and big at that. And now you have a four who's an all league defender. And you yeah, don't need okay. it. And, you, and the thing is, the, the, in the playoffs, he got hit because he was missing shots, or you don't need him to score because you would have you would have Dame as your option number one, likely Norm as your option number two, Nurk as your option number three, and then there's Ben. Like he doesn't have to be your go-to scorer. Just go do all the other things, or give him the ball more often and allow Dame to play off the ball. Now I know Dame likes. Go. I know Dame likes to have the ball in his hand as the primary point guard. But look at the success that Steph Curry has in sets where he's off the ball. And if if Chauncey can get some situations where the Blazers have far more off-ball movement because there's just been not enough off-ball movement from this team running off of picks to get open shots. With that lineup, it's phenomenal. So then it goes to the bench. You have Derek Jones Jr., who I still think is is viable. I think he. Uh, this is not sourced. This is just personal watching it. I I, I feel like he kind of fell into um, uh, Terry's doghouse, and that's why he didn't play. Oh, other, definitely. Yeah. Other other than that, there's just no logical argument you can make to why uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson should have been playing over Derek Jones Jr. when Derek Jones Jr. was one of your best defenders all year long. He should have been playing. Um, but if you don't have him or you need to work around, these are a couple of names that I think would actually be really good uh, to, to help shore up your rotation. Now, when I tweeted this article out, people freaked out. They're like, none of those names move the needle. And this is where I get irritated as a sports writer. Cause I'm just like, guys, I'm not saying All that any, accounts. I'm not saying that any of these names is going to win you. The championship is going to be your starting small forward or whatnot, and probably win MVP. I'm saying these are guys who can come off the bench and play 10 really good minutes and play them better than Rondé Hollis Jefferson was or <laughs> Mello was. And so here's a few of the names I think would be good. Now, one, say a move for a Ben Simmons takes a CJ and an Ant, right? A another young prospect. If that were the case, I think Austin Rivers would be someone Portland needs to look into. Not only sure. is he big enough to play the one and the two, he's good on the defensive end. He can hit big shots. He proved it against the Blazers in the playoffs. And these are guys that I also think are going to be able to come fairly cheaply as well. Like I'm, you know, MLE uh, type prices. And so I think he would be one that would be a, a, a good find. Another one that I think that, that Portland uh, would be wise to look into uh, is Jeff Green. Jeff Green was good all year for Brooklyn. He averaged 12.8 points, 4.4 rebounds. He was still playable in the playoffs, averaging 11 points. And I mean, he was only paid 2.56 mil this year. And that would give a, a to me, a huge upgrade over Mello uh, as a backup power forward, uh, just because not yeah. only can he score, he can, he can go out there, play defense, get some blocks, get some rebounds. I would look like that. Um, uh, uh, another one, Nick Batum. If you watch Nick Batum in Batum. the play, in, if you watch okay. Nick Batum in the playoffs, uh, he's still playable. Again, he's not what he once was, but he's still good. He can still hit that corner three. And again, we're looking at looking at the Blazers. The Blazers played what uh, what Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They played Rodney Hood. They played Gary Trent. They played Derek Derek Jones Jr. They played Nasir Little, and they played Norman Powell all at small forward this year. Wow. <laughs> Nicholas Batum, in my opinion, would be a backup small forward with no questions asked. There is no, is he our guy? He is your guy. You have your starter your and, Nick, yeah. and Nick Batum is your backup. You're not having a revolving door of backup small forwards trying to decide who's going to be that guy off the bench. And that's why I think he would be a near perfect signing for the Blazers. Lastly, uh, 
back to the nostalgia factor, but Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez, oh. <laughs> Robin Lopez of all these guys, I actually think would be the best one to sign, especially if, I, if, if uh, Cantor is on the way out. This is a guy who can still play in that pick and roll. He's not going to score a ton of buckets, but he doesn't need to, but he's going to get you rebounds. He's going to get you blocks. He's going to be a, a force down low. And the thing is, he's going to be able to do the things defensively, even if it's not as good as he was years ago. He's going to be able to do the things defensively that Ennis Cantor just couldn't do. Just doesn't his do, two, yeah. In his, totally. two, his two stints with the Blazers. And the Blazers t- took the biggest hit in the playoffs when they had to go to that second unit, and they lost any semblance of defense in the of paint. Of defense. <laughs> so, so a guy like Robin Lopez uh, is a center that you could look at to bring in and I think would be an upgrade over Cantor. Do I think at this stage in the, their careers that he's a better player than Ennis Cantor? No. But no, what he yeah. no, but what he does well, he does better than Cantor, and I and it's in the in the areas that Portland really needs, and that's defense off the bench, especially in the paint. So that's why I think he would be a good hire, as would Nico. Uh, another guy that I put on I, I put on this list, but I don't I, I he, he still has plenty left in the tank, so he might not be um, uh, an MLB guy. He might be a guy that Portland has to go in and use their full, their full exception, which would hard cap him. So you only want to do that if you really, really trust that this guy's going to be a, a difference maker. And to me, that'd be Rudy Gay. That's a guy who can still play small forward, oh, can okay. still play, can still play power forward. Averaged nearly 17 points a game last year, six rebounds. Like he's still a really good player. And if you look at that and go, well, could he start? I mean, he he played off the bench for San Antonio last year. Like he he is a bench rotation guy now. And if you're looking for a guy who can bring versatility, that's the guy. And I think with Portland, that that's where they need to look is they need versatile guys. Robin Lopez doesn't offer that, but Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay is going to be able to play small forward, power forward. He's going to be able to play center if you go small small lineups. Jeff Green is a power forward. He's going to be able to play center when you when you go small. Nicholas Batum is a is a three, but he can play the two. He can even play point guard offensively when you need him to, and he can guard the point defensively. So there's a three position guy. And uh, Austin Rivers is a, is a point guard and shooting guard. He's going to be able to play too. You look at the way Portland played. Ennis Cantor, he's a five. There's no way you're playing there's him. There's no four. flexibility. Yeah, you're, yeah. Totally. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, he's a four. He was used at the three. But it was but in can't si- keep up with it, it was in situ- <laughs> it was in situations where where you just kind of couldn't do anything else. You had to play in there, or there were injuries or whatnot, or you just wanted to go with a smaller lineup. But he's just not as versatile as those other guys. Um, and the guys that they had on the roster, but they traded. But a Gary Trent Jr. Like yes, he played some minutes at the three, but it was ninety nine percent of the time he was he was playing shooting guard. Um, and versatility is just not what they were getting off the bench. So that's why I, I, I want a guy who can play multiple positions, play them well, and, and can change it. So if you trade CJ, make some moves to redo that lineup, and then look at and these aren't the the end all be all, I, but these are the type of players you need to look into. Um, then I think. You're in a good situation. And the crazy part is you look like a Nicholas Batum who was playing, like I said, 2.57 mil this past year, probably on a contract around that this year as well. And you would be able to get more production out of that than you're getting out of the $10 million attached to Derek Jones Jr. right now. So you're getting, not only are you getting good production off the bench, solidifying those bench rotations, you're getting far more bang for your buck in doing so. So I, I think those are the moves I would try to make if, if I'm a GM. 
And if, if I'm a GM, I probably already had a million internal discussions about all of these possibilities. <laughs> so, if you hadn't had inter- if you have not had internal discussions about bringing back Rolo, Nico, uh, as well as trading for for Giannis and LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Zion, while we're at it, if you hadn't had these internal discussions, <laughs> you're just not doing your job, Neil. Now here's <laughs> here's no. the thing, though. It's easy. It's easy <laughs> to point. It's easy to point to Nico and Robin. And, and say like, well, that's just the nostalgia playing in. They they used to be Blazers. And no, the thing I, I is, get what you're saying. And the though. thing is, it's not because it has nothing to do with them being former Blazers. I, like I said, Robin to me is just a guy who does does exactly what you need from your backup center. He does what yeah. Ennis Can- Cantor doesn't. Nicholas Batum brings some some versatility and stability to your backup small forward lineup. Like these are good guys. If I wanted to go full nostalgia, this list would have been like, oh, call Chicago and get Al Farouk Amino and uh, <laughs> or uh, Amino, excuse me, uh, uh, and uh, bring, get Mo Harkless and oh, bring back in Ed Davis. And like we've been down that road no, before. I, like I like your I like your idea of uh, both Nico Nico and Rolo. I think makes sense with what you're talking about as far as the the gaps that the Blazers are going to have in their roster. If you could trade out Mello and Cantor for Nico and Rolo, I think right there that is an improved on paper roster. I, I get what you're saying. Where Rolo's not a better player than Cantor. No, I don't think so. As far as what the Blazers need, it fits better. And the 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 versatile players thing as well. Mello's not a bad player. He's a Hall of Famer, and yeah, he's been fun to watch. But he has obvious flaws. You bring in players who can are more well rounded. Not necessarily not necessarily a lights out shooter, but can do a lot of other things on the floor that our guards can't do. That's going to be a better fit. That makes more sense as far as balancing out the roster. What do you think? About one of the more versatile guys that we do have on the roster right now, Norman Powell. What are the chances that we get him get that he stays in Portland? Like, how likely is it that he resigns here? The tough part about that question, uh, Keith, is is the pandemic. So we weren't allowed to go to games and weren't <laughs> yeah. and, and and weren't allowed to be in the locker room. Um, and I say that just because, like, being in the locker room, seeing how the guys acted knowing how they felt about the team like i was not surprised at all that that uh, rodney hood wanted to stay in portland like right. that, 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 that wasn't surprising um norm it's been hard because you haven't been able to get a read on him um to me the biggest the, the the way to get him fully invested in wanting to stay here is is what we outlined earlier and, and trading cj and guaranteeing him he can play shooting guard the three guard lineup worked for a bit, but just the way he plays and his size, I just don't think you're going to sell Norman Powell on being a full time starting small forward for yep. the next X amount of years of his career. Um, yep. I, I I just don't, and I think he would be willing to stay because I think anyone would, after playing with Dame, would say, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that." <laughs> um, but I think that's that's the selling point with Norm is finding a way to get him into that that starting two lineup. Um, and it's going to have to take training CJ to do it. And I do think, as, as wild as it sounds, if you could start putting your pieces together, the Ben Simmons deal uh, would make sense just because uh, Ben Simmons' up and down uh, opinions with him out of Philadelphia, whether they should trade him or not. Uh, but CJ gives uh, Philadelphia a primary ball yeah. handler a guy who can score a guy who can take the burden off of Joel Embiid and unlike here like yes Dame commands a lot of gravity but but when when Dame is on the bench and CJ is commanding the show running the show with an Ennis Cantor or a Nurk 
they don't have the same gravity that a Joel Embiid right. does. And if yeah, you put CJ McCollum in a lineup where defensive defensive excuse me. If you Defenses. put yeah, <laughs> if you put CJ McCollum in a lineup where defensive I still can't do it. <laughs> if you defensive put CJ McCollum in a lineup where defenses had to sag into the paint because the center was that good offensively, it's going to open up his ability to score in the mid-range and at the three-point line. So I actually think uh, a Philly of all the teams would be a phenomenal fit for CJ McCollum. I agree. And then it would also I, allow yeah. Portland to take a Ben Simmons and put him at power forward where he should be playing. He shouldn't be playing minutes at, at point guard. He, he's a power forward. That's where he needs to be. Yeah, and, and I think, like we said earlier, it just balances both teams better. Uh, Philly has lots of defense, but lacks shooting. You, you get CJ, who's a shooter, a playmaker, can run an offense. Sure, he lacks defense, but you have that covered. Portland gets a guy uh, here where, yeah, sure, he lacks shooting, but we have plenty of shooters here. We have a lot of, sh uh, we have the offense and shooting kind of covered. What we don't have is playmaking and defense, and Simmons would bring both of those. The big deal here, the big important thing that people need to remember is this trade doesn't work for Dame. <laughs> like all yeah. the crazy talk out there, this package does not get lined up around Dame and have it work for both teams in the same way. But you move CJ for Ben Simmons, I think there is a lot of benefit on both sides that makes it a much more realistic trade possibility. Yeah, and you can't tell me, like Portland, Portland moving Dame for Ben would be so weird because it's just, it's just, it, it's, yeah, CJ, it's, CJ, CJ paired with Ben doesn't work as well as Dame paired with Ben. And it is as weird as that sounds. Yeah. It's just because of the way you can mess with your lineup. But like, yeah, CJ's done good uh, filling in as a point guard, but I still like him better as a shooting guard than, than a one. Like, I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's beneficial for Portland to part with Dame for Ben versus CJ. But again, yeah, you do what you got to do. And I, I still don't think doing what you got to do involves trading Dame. Exactly. All, all the people making those trade uh, theoreticals for Dame are, are national people that don't care about the Blazers. They see the Blazers almost as kind of the toss off, like let's yeah. go let that be the farm team, toss players over there that don't really matter. They don't really have a chance at a title uh, and make these super teams in all the big markets. It's ridiculous, it's not realistic, but the reason we have you, Mr. Chris Burkhart, Mr. Professional Sports Writer, Analyst, Camera Guy, Mentor, and everything else I mentioned earlier, is because you do care. You know these details. You broke down some <laughs> great possibilities there. I think any of those moves would help the Blazers if only we had a GM that wasn't trying to run back a half-completed roster. <laughs> but, and, 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 and that's the thing. That's going to be the biggest mistake um, that Portland could do in a summer in a summer where they've already made some mistakes is, yeah. run, is running back the roster. Um, the roster didn't win last year. And granted, Coach Stotts was part of that problem, but he was not the problem. Uh, roster construction did have a lot to do with that. It was, it was, there were two people dancing together and they only fired one of them, right? Um, the roster needs to be changed because again, you were relying on Rondé Hollis Jefferson who went from not playing in the league to a 10 day <laughs> contract and you were relying on him to play playoff minutes. Like when you're doing that, it, your roster's not good. And, um, you look at Neil and I defended the moves when they were made because I did like them in a vacuum, but they weren't what the players needed. But like you go out and you try to make a run and you go and you sign Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver. Like those, 
that's not that's not making moves. Those are end. Those, like I liked Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver. I loved them as end of the bench guys. Like if that's my 14th to 15th guy, sweet. Right, I like right. that. I like Anthony Tolliver. Good bet. He can shoot. I love it. Cool. Mario Zonia. He's athletic. He's a goober. But dude, he's he's 14th on the depth chart. I don't care. It's cool. It's better than like bother. like as 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 no disrespect. It's none. Even though that's what everyone says before they're disrespectful. But like Mar <laughs> like I, I, I would rather have Mario Hazonia or an Anthony Tolliver at number 15 on my bench than a CJ Ellaby. Just so I know what I'm getting with those guys, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so those so, so so those were good moves for that. But they were your big moves. Your big moves were for 14 and 15 guys who ended up having to play because of injuries. But your roster just wasn't built to handle right. those injuries. And and that was the thing. Like like you go you went into this offseason saying this was the the the, the most depth Port Portland has had, the most versatile roster they've had in years. If that were the case, then you would have been able to weather those injuries a little bit better than you did because you had the depth to accommodate it. But your depth proved not to be as good as you thought it was, or as good as you sold as you it, sold to, it everyone, to, be, yeah. everyone <laughs> to be. And what and and you got to find the as bad as it sounds. Like bringing back the roster would be great, but the roster as it stands is just not good. So the the, the first yeah. step here, the first step here is bu building the roster properly. The second step is then keeping the roster together. Keeping a bad roster together makes no sense. But you look at the success that Portland had in 2019. And all that had to do with continuity. That was because that, that team had played together now for three, four years. They knew yeah. everybody's tendencies. Talent-wise, were they the best? Maybe not. But the thing is, at this point in the or at that point in Dame's career, when he was 26 years old, you could afford to wait three, four years and let chemistry build and then figure that out. When Dame turned 31, hey. as of the recording today, July 15th. Hey, happy birthday, Dame. That's right. <laughs> when Dame turned 31, you can't run back this entire roster for another three or four years and hope it builds continuity by the time Dame's 35. You can't. The time <laughs> is now. So you can't You can't focus on building continuity and chemistry right now. You have to focus on building the roster and then let the continuity and chemistry come because the window is closing on you, whether you like to admit it or not. The window is closing. Dame is not going to be ha like the Dame that you know right now in 2025. It's it's and his game. The way the, the scary part about Dame is the way he plays too. He's a, he's a, a a guard who takes a lot of contact and a lot of spills on it's the floor. A physical play. Yeah, yeah, and that can really make that when he hits that downhill turn, that can be a steep drop off of that. You hope not, right. but it can be. As where you look at a guy like Curry. And the, 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 to me, the scary thing about the way Steph Curry plays is he plays deep the entire time. When he does drive, he tries to take minimal contact, but he's not built around the rim like Dame likes to go to the rim. Right. And with the way he shoots, Steph Curry can play into his early 40s just as a guy off the bench shooting threes if he wants. Like, he's got – his career can go wild. Dame, on the other hand, with the way he plays, you, you got to take advantage of that prime window. You have to. So that's where you got to make these moves. You can't be attached to CJ. You can't be attached to Nurk. You can't be attached to anybody. You got to do everything you can to build the best team possible around Dame. We started this podcast talking about how great it was for teams like Milwaukee and Phoenix to be in the playoffs. Well, this was your year. This year was more wide open than ever 
and your failure to build the roster around Dame saw you exit in the first round when you could have taken full advantage because there was more parity in this playoffs than we've seen in decades. So now Look you have guy. to take advantage. Look at this guy bringing it back all the way back to the, back to the start. A true professional, the mark of a true pro, uh, looping it back like that, Chris. I am I'm always impressed. Yes, I am always impressed by Chris Burkhardt, as I am impressed by anyone who can ramble for multiple hours with me about the Blazers, as I am impressed by you, dear listener, the audience, you professional podcast listeners out there who have sat through not just part one, but part two of our Blazers conversation this week. So that's going to do it for now, but we will be back next week to discuss the Dame trade rumors and his response, the CJ McCollum trade possibilities, the Norman Powell stuff, and even the NBA Finals stuff, what the Bucks and Giannis winning means for Dame's future here in Portland, what kind of potential impact that could have. But for now, in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Chris Burkhardt for joining me. Thank you to Odar for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rift City basketball, and you've enjoyed our latest episode. Thank you once again, and please come back for the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs>